Hello, friends. Welcome to the Resilient Leaders Podcast, where we explore how to remain nimble and stay hopeful in the crucible of adversity and uncertainty. I'm your host, J.R. Briggs, founder of Kairos Partnerships. If you joined us last week for the episode, you heard that my new book is now released titled A Time to Heal. Uh, We devoted last week's episode to exploring it a little bit and helping to understand that if we want to be resilient leaders who help others to be resilient as well, we're going to have to help other people heal. And this book is an attempt to help with the healing, especially with all that we've been through in our world. If you're interested in knowing more about the book or getting a copy, you can log on to a simple website. It's a atimetohealbook.com. A time to heal book.com. You'll see a video from me, endorsements from other authors and leaders, and information on how you can purchase the book. Like I said last week, I'm not a fan of shameless self promotion, but when I believe in something that I've worked on and when I believe it can help many people, I'm willing to talk about it boldly and directly and often because I want to help leaders who want to help people. Again, check it out at a time to heal book. Well, it's been a while since we did a story of resilience. And uh, I want to, I heard this story and I immediately thought that we need to talk about this briefly. Maybe you heard it a few weeks ago about the story in Major League Baseball about Sean Kazmar Jr. Before I tell you about Sean, let me ask you this. What were you doing back in 2008? I know that's quite a bit a long time ago, but see if you can imagine where you were and what you were doing. Well, Sean Kazmar was a fifth round draft pick in the 2004 amateur baseball draft. And in 2008, he eventually, after four years of working hard in the minors, got a call up to the big leagues and he appeared in only 19 major league baseball games for the San Diego Padres. But since then, it's been a less than glorious life in the minor leagues for him, including the past seven seasons with Atlanta's AAA minor league affiliate, the Gwinnett Stripers. But he never stopped working hard. He never gave up. And after uh, just a, and then just a few weeks ago, Kazmar picked up the phone, and it was the manager for the Atlanta Braves saying that he wanted to call him up to join the team. Twelve years from his last major league game appearance until just a few weeks ago, almost thirteen years of grinding it out in the minor leagues and never giving up. The gap between major league game appearances for Kazmar was the largest period of gap time for a major league baseball player since 1936. Just to put this in perspective, <laughs> there have been six major league baseball teams who have torn down and built new stadiums in the period of time since the last major league at bat that Kazmar had. Now, last year may have been uh, Kazmar's most trying considering that there were no minor league baseball games due to, the, due to the pandemic. According to the ESPN.com interview, he said, it's crazy. At this time, I was sitting at home on unemployment a year ago. It was kind of tough to look for a job if you weren't too sure if you're going to be part of the team. Once Kazmar's wife found out that he'd be playing, she dropped everything on Friday and took a red-eye flight from Arizona to Chicago to be in attendance for the Saturday game in Wrigley Field. His parents were watching as well. And with his team down big to the Cubs, the general manager or the manager for the Cubs or for the, for the Braves, excuse me, 
called him up and said, it's your time to take your at-bat. He got his first at-bat in over a dozen years, and although he grounded into a double play, he was grateful just to be in the batter's box at Wrigley Field on that afternoon. He's hopeful to stick with the Braves for sure, but he's unsure of his future past his one at-bat on that Saturday afternoon, April 19th. If that's all it is, he's not complaining, not after his 12-year journey to return. Kazmar said, I'd do it all over again just for a day like today. It was worth the wait to get in and get another at-bat. Now that is resilience. I love stories like that. My hat's off to you, Sean Kazmar Jr. What a story of resilience and perseverance. All right. Well, way back in episode one or two, we talked about the pivot, the pivot foot in basketball. Again, I know... I know, I know. Pivot has been overused in the past year. But we talked about how if we have a pivot foot, it only works in basketball if you have a plant foot. Our plant foot is our leadership. In our leadership helps us to understand who you are, what drives you, what are your values, your identity, your purpose. And I want to talk briefly about a question that's part of your plant foot as a leader. It's a question that resilient leaders need to ask regardless of what sector you may be leading in. And it's this question, who is your greatest competition? Who is your greatest competition? Now, let me pause here and say this. It may not be who you think it is. Let me explain. If I were to ask you who the greatest competition is for Southwest Airlines or Gatorade or Netflix, how would you answer? Well, let's look at Southwest for a moment. My guess is you might say, oh, Southwest's greatest competition is American Airlines or United or Delta, but it's not the case. Southwest Airlines is fully aware that they are the cheapest airline carrier in the United States. Their biggest competitor is not other airlines. Asked to define who their competition was, one of their senior executives smiled and simply replied, it's the automobile. That's right, the car. They realized that someone in Austin that needs to get to Dallas may just rent a car instead of purchase a ticket to fly on their airline. Knowing their competition drives what they do, but their competition wasn't as obvious as we may have thought it would be. Now, how about Gatorade? Now, when I've asked this question in various leadership training spaces, leaders often respond by saying Powerade or some other sports drink on the market. But no, Gatorade has clearly stated that their greatest competition is water. That's right, good old-fashioned H2O. It's why they put those large, obnoxious orange jugs on the sidelines of football games and other sporting events. Because when they get off the field, when when a player runs off the field, you often think, oh, they need water. But But Gatorade wants you to believe that water is not enough. That's why Gatorade commercials are filled with such sweaty athletes. Gatorade is working hard to convince you that having a water bottle at your next soccer game just isn't enough. It's very intentional because knowing your competition drives everything that you do and knowing their competition drives everything Gatorade does. And it's important to know that it's not Powerade or other sports drinks. It helps them know their plant foot of their identity so that they can be creative, nimble, and resilient in the other areas of leadership in communicating what they do. All right. How about Netflix? Who is Netflix's greatest competition? Nope. Not Amazon Prime, not Hulu, not Disney Plus, not Paramount Plus. Their founder and CEO, Reed Hastings, shared a few years ago unabashedly that their greatest competition is your sleep. Your sleep. Netflix is at war with your sleep. Wow. The shock 
Uh, it shocked a lot of people, including me. And it's quite alarming. They want you to binge shows late into the night and early into the morning. That is their greatest competition. This may not surprise you when you think about the shows that you watch. If you're watching a series on Netflix, you know this. What they don't ask you at the end of one episode is, would you like to watch the next episode? Instead, they simply give you five seconds to turn off Netflix. And if you don't, it starts the next episode automatically. This is intentional. Knowing your competition, who your competition is, is really important to resilient leadership. If you're a university administrator, your greatest competition may not be against other colleges and universities. Instead, it may be student loans or community colleges or online learning modules that are readily available, relatively inexpensive or free. If you're a business, it may not be the business in your particular sector or field that's your greatest competition. Instead, it may be people aren't convinced your product is something that will help them, even if it's a good value. Or it may be confusion or lack of clarity on your website of what your product actually is or how people can order it easily. If you're a church, your greatest competition is not against other churches. Theologically, your greatest competition is against the evil one, Satan, who would love to discourage, detract, and destroy others, maybe even convincing the people at your church that being a part of a church just isn't really worth their time anymore. If you're a nonprofit director, your greatest competition may not be for grant money. Instead, it may be the complexity and confusion and lack of clarity that you write on the grant application as to how you're going to help people. If you're in the restaurant business, your competition may not be the other restaurants around you. Uh, instead, it may be a, competitively hour, a competitive hourly wage. Or instead, it may be the inconvenience of takeout during a pandemic. Or not giving your employees a clear why in working with your restaurant. You see, defining who your greatest competition truly is will then give you the freedom to know how you can be resilient, creative, nimble, and confident in trying new things. Remember, the pivot foot is only possible because the plant foot stays firmly on the court floor. So who's your greatest competition? It may not be who you think it is. So take some time to consider it. Be in discussion with your team. And remember, Southwest, Gatorade, and Netflix, they are thriving for many reasons. But one of those reasons may be because they've done the hard work to clearly define who their true competition actually is. Well, thanks for being with me today. The Resilient Leaders podcast is produced, engineered, and kissed with a seal of quality and approval by the highly talented and creative Joel Bowen, founder of On A Limb Productions. You can check out his great work, which I highly recommend at onalimproductions.com. Leaders, be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Keep leaning in and learning. And remember, define your competition clearly because it may be different than you ever imagined. 